Unburdened. Welcome to Unburdened. This is episode one, and my name is Rashani. Today, as is going to be often, I am joined by my two co-hosts, uh, Gerald and Corbin. Uh, Gerald, how are you doing today? I am making my way through life. All right. <clears throat> are you finding that the road is golden ahead of you, or is it like a hard road to climb? It's one of those roads that I made for myself, and I thought I wanted it when I first made it, and now I'm like, it's too much stuff to do on this road, but I can't not, so I'm just kind of, I don't know. I can't complain, but um, it, it's, it's frustrating because I put all these things on my plate because I know I can do them, but then I don't want to do all of them at one time. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Oh, wow. So is it possible to set some of them to the side or do you, I mean, you know, you can do them, but is it imperative that you do them all now? Yeah, because so most of what I do is for other people. And so when I, when I get a call and say, Hey, can you do this? And I say, yes, I can, because I have that time available on my calendar. I don't really take into account the other things that are around it on my calendar that I've already committed to. So, yeah, like if it's stuff for me, I can put it off. But I think I always end up doing that. I put the stuff for me off. But then when I get like four or five things for other people on my calendar that all have deadlines, they always seem to come at the same time. Like I'll be in a spot where I feel like I don't have anything going on. Nobody needs my help. And I'm kind of lonely for like a month and I feel useless. And then I'll go through a time where I'm just like, there are eight things that everybody needs all at once, and I'm excited the first day, and then I'm panicked the rest of the time until they all go off because I don't want to let anybody down. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. What do you think is going to happen if you let somebody down? Like, I know what I feel like when I feel like I'm, like, juggling tasks for other people because I feel like if I let them down, they'll never come back and ask me again. Um, and then I'll feel like I'm not needed. Is it, is it like that for you too, where you feel like you have a need to feel needed or is it just, you want to be as helpful as possible while you have the opportunity to do so? Um, so we've kind of talked about this before. I feel privileged, like strongly privileged in my life. And I feel like I spent a lot of that time being really selfish. And so now it's almost like I feel like I have to use I'm, – I'm a smart guy. And I feel like I have to use my brain and, and my skills to help other people every time I have the opportunity. And I don't want to let them down because I feel like I've spent a lot of my life just living in my own your awesomeness. And now I'm like, okay, but you're not doing anything for anybody else, so you're kind of useless. And so I just want to make sure I don't let other people down because I feel like I owe them. I don't know why, but that's that's kind of that's my thing. I feel that. 
and and I it started with me that same thing back when I read a book in like sixth grade uh maybe before that it had to have been before that because it was formative years um called angel in my locker and one of the things that it made sure to impress upon the readers which is honestly in hindsight not the best thing to do but it impressed upon the readers um god is first others are second and i am third i am but a servant um and I didn't know how big of a effect that those words would have on me until I really looked back and took stock of my life and realized that I've worked in the service industry my whole life in one way or another. Even right now as an accountant, I'm still paying the bills of other people and calling to make sure that things went through correctly. And, and before this, I worked at the front counter um for basically HR, uh, helping people get their uh, new badges and welcome. I was the first face people saw at the at the company and, and making sure they got their badges and their bus pass and things of that nature. And before that, I worked in restaurants. So I've always been somebody who strives to help out other people. And I think that the desire to help out other people was compounded by the fact that I made my desire my job. And then it became like it, your livelihood depends on the quickness in which you serve other people. And so now it's like, now that I don't really work in the service industry, like, like I said, I'm an accountant, but it's not really the service industry per se. But now it's like in my day to day life, it's like, oh, you need this done? I'll be right back. And it irritates my wife so much that I do that because I see that it's almost like a male pride that I have. Like, whatever issue you have, I'm going to do everything I can to solve it immediately. Like, oh, this what's going on? Okay, stop talking about it. I'm going to go fix it. And it's like sometimes people just want to be heard. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I don't need you or want you to help them out. And to continuously say, how can I be of assistance? How can I help you out? Is sometimes not just detrimental to you, but some people might look at it as kind of selfish. Yeah. How would you feel about, um, it's something I mentioned to a friend earlier who listened to the podcast. Uh, we kind of set our lives up to kind of do what it is we want to do. And I've figured that out about myself in the past week or so that in my need to kind of be unburdened and, and my desire is to not have to is to have a place that I can, you know, talk to somebody, deal with the things that are going on in my life. I've set my life up to where I do not have those things. And that's that's a little weird to me. Hmm. Did you set it up like that? Subconsciously. not. Um, and, and what I mean by that is uh, my closest friends aren't the most uh, intuitive type people. <laughs> the job that I work is a very fast paced uh, type job to where um, it doesn't allow me a lot of time to think about things as far as, you know, I really don't like the way things are going at work or all this extra workload. I just have to get it done. That kind of thing. Not 
you know, that I'm out here, um, you know, doing things on a conscious level uh, to to kind of, I guess, sabotage myself. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I wouldn't say, I would say it's a little bit like uh, drug addicts and alcoholics to where they surround themselves with people that won't, won't notice they have a problem. And, but I do it in a way with uh, healthy people because most of my best friends are very busy people. They're a lot like Gerald. They got a lot going on too. And so for them to take the time to check on me, I know that's not going to happen. So uh, I feel like as a person, I'm very into dealing things, dealing with things with myself, and that's it. Um, it's hard, of course, you guys know anyway, to reach out to anybody. But when you feel like you get to that point, you know, there's really nobody for me to reach out to. I mean, I have one or two friends uh, that I could probably do that with, and I do with one of them at least, but it takes a while for me to get there. So I did notice that about myself, so I'm trying to unwind that part. I feel like I go through a cycle with my friends where part of my service to them uh, is making sure that they're okay, you know, making sure that they're doing all right. And and one of the reasons why this show was started was so then we can reach out to uh, black men and just let them know that this is a place where they can just really unload themselves. Um, but then I go through places in my life where uh, – anxiety and depression are like just they're not even dormant in my head they're ruling like 85 percent of my brain and so you start seeing these uh memes pop up on facebook where nine times out of ten it'll be like yeah okay and you just go past it but that one time it'll just strike you like uh keep up with the friends who check in on you um like checking on the friends who check in on you or something like that. And your brain will be like, well, you know, you're doing all this work, but nobody's reaching out to you. And it's like, that's selfish of me. You know, it's selfish of me to not think about what other people may be going through at that time or what uh, their time constraints may be. And so I wonder how many friendships I've allowed to die on the vine uh, because of, what I feel is a lack of reciprocation as far as that support. Um, and I've noticed that it happens every time that I'm feeling low. I, I've, I've actually in my head, I, I am telling myself that there's nothing big about it. There's no, there's no problem. There's likely a reason. And my, it'll just continue to pick at it. And like it's a scab until not only is the scab torn off, but the, 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 the wound is, dug deeper than it was initially. Um, so I have friends that I know won't check in. I have friends that I know will check in and I think that I keep them separate. So then when I don't want anybody to check in on me, usually when I'm doing something that I know I shouldn't be doing, and it's not something like exactly. having an affair or, or anything like that. 
I, I wouldn't do that. But it's something where I know that I'm going down paths that I shouldn't be going down. Like I'm going to ride on this bull or I'm going to buy this or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do I'm going to stop going to the gym. I stop looking for that support. But exactly. That's how I feel. You put them in that box. So when I want the support, I'll give you a call. Mm-hmm. But when I don't, I don't want you calling me kind of thing. Because I know that you're going to hold me to the things that we had talked about that I probably need to be held to. <laughs> and, and it's that type of situation. And I've done that in my life, looking back throughout my life. We have a... Um... A topic that was brought to us by uh, one of the listeners of the show. Um, but before we get into that topic, uh, I do want to let y'all know that we had a voicemail as well. Um, and I want to go ahead and play that for us real fast. So uh, give me one second. All right, here we go. Yo, Rashani, it's Tyrone. Just give me a call, man, letting you know. Uh podcast unburdened was very very good man thoroughly enjoyed it um i already left a review for it and everything but i just wanted to like personally like commend you for like the excellent work you're doing out there bro and the show was definitely like really really good I, I definitely enjoyed it uh looking forward to episode one man uh hit me up if you feel like it if not enjoy your labor day talk to you soon man peace <sighs> Thank you, Tyrone. Uh, he's coming out with a podcast pretty soon, but I've known Tyrone since, since, since. And he's another person who, when I need to get verbally worked back into shape, whether it's spiritually, a spiritual thing, like like you said, boxes. We keep people in boxes. If I need to get a spiritual talk, I got Tyrone and I got my friend uh, Roy, and then I got uh, my wife. But if I want to talk about ratchet stuff, I got these friends over here. And if I want to talk about business, I got Gerald, and I got all these friends over here. But if I need to combine them, that's when it gets difficult because I don't want my mashed potatoes to touch my peas and carrots. Exactly. And you so don't want to expand out of that. That when your friends. I think your friends recognize that you're putting them into this box and they're like, I can do more than this. I'm here for you if you need this. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Okay, cool. I'll talk to you later. And they're like trying to get out of that box. And when they realize you have them in that box, maybe that's when the relationship starts to die because friendships to me are like plants. And if you never take them out of that box and let their roots spread out, they're going to die. Did that make sense? And that's it made sense. Makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense yeah. because that's what we do. And uh so and that was part of the reason why I called you or did you call me? In either case, the no no, when you made that post uh, a couple weeks back and I said we needed to talk, like that that you just explained, that was exactly what I was feeling. I was like you know, I care about Rashani, and I know that he he wants to be connected with people who show that they care, who will reach out, who, who want to do that. But then every time we get on the phone and we turn that conversation around to you, 
it's like, oh man, I just opened this bag of chips. I got to get you back. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it, and it, you, you know, after two or three times of that, you just like, you know, does he really want to does he want connect, to talk about or does he just want to feel like somebody cares, right? Mm-hmm. And it, and it does just like you know, um, it it felt kind of selfish, but then at the same time, I was like, but it would be really selfish for me to just be like, well, fine, I'm not calling no more because if I truly care about you, I need to tell you how that makes me feel, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it is something that um, that I think a lot of us do. I don't I don't ask for help, right? My I have one best friend who has been with me since college we were roommates for a time we may talk twice a year we definitely talk on my birthday and then his birthday 10 days later and then we might holler at each other like six months later right Mm -hmm. but he's that guy that um if and when we talk and there's something that he can tell is going on he will be the one to tell me gerald you know this is bad do something different, make a smarter move. And you need those people, but you also, you know, as a, as a man, a lot of times it's hard for us to invite them in even more because we want to feel like we're making the best decisions, even though sometimes we know we're not. It's a lot like a home situation to where I only want you in my house when it's clean. <laughs> I don't want you just popping up whenever you feel like it. You know, it's it's. I have to invite you in, open the door. Of course, it's going to be immaculate, so I'm not going to have a whole lot going on. But when it's stuff everywhere, I really don't want you seeing that. You know, that kind of thing. And I, with me anyway, and I'm not a guy to ask for help. I get physically nauseous when I need help with a project. Uh, when I was a kid, if I needed to ask my parents for like five bucks, I would get nauseous. I mean, it's it's just, it's been ingrained. And so that's, I'd say in the last two to three years, I've been working on that. It doesn't bother me as much anymore, but it's still something that if I ask you for help, I've probably been thinking about it or needing that help for a month, six weeks, <laughs> that kind of thing. First and foremost, I want to apologize um, to both of y'all. Uh, because you're absolutely right, Gerald, and I and I, I thank you for that. Um, saying that, and and Corbin, I'm gonna touch on what you just said in a second. Um, but I think that we come into relationships. I come into relationships selfishly. I want to help, but I don't want to be helped. Because in order for me to be helped, I would have to open up like I'm asking you to open up so then I can uh, be, begin the process of your healing. You know, it's, it's not always altruistic. And, and, and I, I feel like each of us has, or at least I know that I have, a hesitance to really lay bare what's going on in my life where I'm, where I'm able to shed tears about what's going on in my life because of that same fear of judgment, um, that belief that if this relationship falls apart, which relationships do, it happens, but if the relationship falls apart, then the stuff that I told you in secret might become public. 
and I'll be embarrassed. Where it should be, if our if if the relationship falls apart, which again it happens, and my secrets get laid out bare, I should own them. It shouldn't be secrets of what we're going through. And so, when you said that to me, Gerald, because you said when you made that when we spoke on the phone, you had mentioned that, and I still tried to. Uh, uh, Walter Payton my way my I tried to bury Sanders my way out of the conversation like I'm gonna take five steps back and go for it and take off but it's not that's not a it's not a fully fleshed out relationship it's like you're giving and I'm taking and I realize that I do that a lot and 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 it's something that needs to be worked on. I'm not saying that I'm I'm working like I'm 95% done with it. Shit, I might be at 15% because I I still don't trust myself when I open up. I've opened up to people and it has uh gone on Twitter. I've opened up to people and it's gone on podcasts. I've opened up to people and it's been used against me and my own family and it's just like there's a fear. Like an underlying fear. Because it's like trying to overcome a bad experience with a new experience. But that bad experience you had was when you tried this same thing. You know, Duran Duran said, uh, never again is what you swore the time before. I'm not going to be in this situation again if I can help it. And the thing is, some of your friends may do that to you. But a lot more of your friends may be willing to just walk with you. And I need to be the first person to admit that I've been hesitant and I've been wrong in the way that I've approached relationships. Um, and I, I, I pledge I'm going to have some, I'm going to have some mishaps, but I, I, I figure that I'll get called out on them, but I, I, I'm going to try and be more open. And this show is one of the ways that I'm hoping to get there. Um, now Corbin, you were talking about how you only want people inside of your house when it's, when it's immaculate and, uh, Nisha's the same way. I'm the same way. Like, I think that that comes from, it's not just black families either. Families are like, somebody's coming over, throw everything out the window. Well, no, I will say I've been to some people's houses and they're like, Hey, come on in. And it's like, Oh my goodness, this is... (laughs) I can't sit down. I'm going to stay outside. And I think that in all honesty, when my house is looks like it's been lived in, that's when you know that I'm comfortable with you. When you could just pop up at the house and I'm like, hey, come on in. Uh, Nisha still has her. Um, I still got on pajamas. Nisha still has on her, uh, not shower cap, but just her head wrap. You know, hey, we're about to eat breakfast. Come join us, whatever it may be. I think that that's when you are able to really open up and commune with somebody. And I think it's that same way in our lives. Like, we don't want to reach out to somebody until we feel like our insides are clean. Like, we feel like... I would agree with you on that. Like, we feel like we are in in a good enough living space in our brain where we can actually sit down and focus on you. We don't have to run back and make sure that this is picked up. We don't have to wonder about what the kids are doing. 
we're good. And nine times out of 10, just like your house is lived in, so it looks lived in nine times out of 10, our brains are lived in. You know, it's not going to be a situation where you can just say, okay, uh, I'm going to push all this to the side so then I have room to bring this person in and talk earnestly and honestly with them because all you're really doing is lying about how your house really looks when they're not there. When you're not here, my house looks like I have kids and a dog and a basketball team in my brain. That's what my brain looks like. It's straight clutter. And there's so many things that have sat there for so long that they are rotten. And those are the things that I need you to come in and see. Because otherwise, you're seeing a fallacy of me. You are seeing what I want you to see, and that's not how it really is. And that's not how it should be. You're exactly right. And that's something... Like, I notice these little things here and there. Like, I want to reach out to people after I've gotten over things. And that's really not whether I did the right thing or the wrong thing. You know, I, I made a decision. I went down the road. And as a man, why didn't you call me? I hear that so many times. You could have called me. You know, I could help you with this. Or we could have did that. Or this one. Oh, it's over now. You know, I got through it. Everything's good. That doesn't mean I got, I didn't get, you know, hammered throughout the whole situation. Um, I was just punishing myself because I have a hard time asking for help. And and that's been a huge problem for me, I'd say, throughout my, my life. It's a, and it's a pride thing, and I hate that. But I, I'll do it again next week. Oh, man. Anything, Gerald? So I was talking, and I was on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> My homeboy Scar does that all the time on the dream. <laughs> I'm used to it at this juncture. Uh, no, I was. Um, I was actually saying, we. I don't know if it is like this for women, but I think we, and I know me, um, will do or not do a whole lot of things like drastic things put in weeks worth of energy just to avoid feeling embarrassed Mm -hmm. like we will we will craft an entire livelihood of extra work on ourselves just to avoid being embarrassed or having to eat crow or having to let somebody see that we did something stupid or or imperfect or that we just can't handle something at that moment like that i like i said i'm not a woman so i don't know if they go through this but i know in my life and i've seen it with other men we stress ourselves out to avoid simple embarrassment simple yeah i did that yeah i need help with this yeah i don't know how to do this Right. It's um, it's not always debilitating, but sometimes it can be depending on what we're going through. And I feel like the higher our profiles get raised, the more time and energy we put on trying to avoid embarrassment, because, you know, we're all humans. We, we were all young. We've all done stupid stuff. 
And the more people that know you and the higher your profile is, like the more that becomes, at least for me, the more that becomes a an active participant in my thought processes. Okay, what stupid, embarrassing things did I do in the past that are eventually going to come back up? And how am I going to handle those? And, um, you know, you start crafting your press release, right? Um, it's it's a thing. And it's it's one of my biggest forms of stress is is knowing the transformations and the growth I've gone through in my life and the dumb things that I've said, the dumb things that I've been when I was younger and figuring out, all right, how much success do I want to have in my life? How do I get to that point right where I'm successful and happy, but not so much that people would say I got to take him down? Because then that's going to be the end of my life. Like, I, I stress about that so much. And I don't know how many other people do, but I feel like it's a big thing. The more that we do, the older we get, the more we're looking at, holy crap, eventually, I got to face this. Mm-hmm. It, 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 uh, thank- oh, go ahead, Gordon. Oh, thank. Uh, I just think it it's something that we all do. But I think that we feel like when we, it's a control thing. When we choose to face whatever it is, we feel like we're not ready now. But when we do choose to, I mean, when it's the time of our choosing, we'll be stronger, we'll be willing and able to face it. And that time just never comes. We're just fooling ourselves. There's always another reason. And then when it actually hits the fan, it's like, let me face this. This thing that I've been running from. But I don't want to face it because I've been running from it for so long that now I, in my mind it's a lot bigger than it was supposed to be. Or maybe it was as big as it was supposed to be and you knew that. Um, I, I had said on Facebook a couple days ago that I don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation. I'm a big dude. But because I guess I've always been told that, you know, this is what will happen to you if you get into a fight. This is what will happen to you if you even yell at somebody. Let me tell you the story about this person and this person who uh, bucked up against somebody, and here's what happened. Or the fact that growing up, it wasn't the rosiest place to be at sometimes. And you saw stuff that led from confrontation or led to confrontation. I don't, it, it gives me like horrible, horrible, crippling anxiety. Like it's horrible. Like, just thinking about the future of what may happen is bad. And so I've run from my mistakes instead of running towards them. Like, we really have to start owning up to them. Like, it's important, but it's scary. That unknown is so scary. And there's so much that we did in the past that may have affected somebody. But you don't want to re re-enter that conversation because again it's scary even if re-entering that conversation may be the the thing that that other person needs to heal it's scary and i i wanted to uh mention this really quickly before we went into the topic that uh the listener uh wanted to discuss I was listening to Lincoln Park a couple days ago. And um, one of the things that, at least in the black community, uh, that is big is the statement, why you keep bringing up old stuff? 
Why you keep bringing up old stuff? Why is this coming back up again? Why is this happening? And I'm a person who analyzes and overthinks. So I am constantly thinking about past things that happened to me. If it wasn't rectified in a way that felt satisfactory to me, I'm going to keep thinking about alternate futures, like how it could have been fixed. And I never really had words for it, but I always uh, had heard it from people. Like, why do you keep bringing up old stuff? And then one day while I was riding down the street, I was listening to my rock playlist on Spotify. And the song that came on was Linkin Park's Crawling. And I know music hits people differently. Like, one, the way that I may take lyrics may be different from the way that you take lyrics. But knowing Chester Bennington and knowing what he was going through, before he uh, before he succumbed to mental illness, the lyrics just hit me so much harder um, because it felt like how I how I feel and and the lyrics the course of it is crawling in my skin. These wounds they will not heal. Fear is how I fall confusing what is real and that's how I feel when people are like why do you keep bringing up old stuff because this old stuff keeps on crawling in my skin it, it's not healing like the whole let it go idea it's not working for me it's not happening and you got to know that people are different like the way that you're built may not be the way that the next person built so when you're telling somebody to let something go that they just can't it's just there it's just crawling and maybe even after it gets worked out to their satisfaction it may still be there there's something inside me that pulls beneath the surface consuming confusing this lack of self-control i fear is never ending controlling i can't seem to find myself again the walls are closing in without a sense of confidence i'm convinced that there's just too much pressure to take I felt this way before, so insecure. And then the course again, crawling in my skin, these wounds will not heal. And I just think about folks who have all of these things inside of them that they want to talk to you about, but they just can't because they're scared of how it may turn out. But they think about it in their head because they need to rectify it. They need to confront it somehow. So they confront it inside of themselves until their brain is just like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of talking to you about this. Go talk to somebody else. And that's when you make the mistake of talking to whoever caused this issue, had this issue with you, caused this pain, or you brought the pain upon, and they look at you, spill your heart. And the only thing they can say is, why are you bringing up old stuff and you go right back into that hole like okay this is what happens when I bring up something that matters to me have y'all ever had that happen before I've been that guy I'm I was the guy on the other side saying why are you bringing up old stuff and for me if I ever say that it's because why are you trying to make me feel this feeling that I've just repressed and decided I don't ever want to feel again? You are now a problem for me because you're making me feel something that I've decided is no longer a part of my life. I feel that way. I feel like if I put it behind me, 
because uh, I've been the guy that's that's brought up some things, and I've been on the other side too a couple times. But I just been like, okay, the amount of time and energy, like you said, Gerald, that I've put into getting to a point within myself that I can talk to you, the person who harmed me, uh, in, in your words, they're shining, uh, about the situation. Because that's who I would go to. I wouldn't talk to anybody else about it. I, the person who did, it's between us. I'm not trying to put it out to everybody. So I might have spent two weeks or two years getting the the courage to And then you act like you just put it behind you. You know, like, oh, oh, man, that's old. We, we, we got past that. We good. No problem. And I'm like, but, or I'll never forgive you. You're the most evil person on the planet. Get out of my face. One of the, I mean, but I, neither one was I ever heard, you know, and so those are the things. I mean, I try to play those things as a defense mechanism to myself. I try to play those things forward. So is this conversation going to go this way or how is it going to go? And in my mind, if I determine that it's not going to go a constructive way, I just don't do it. And I need to quit trying to control everything in that regard. Because I feel that I can, I don't, I, the bottom line is I don't know. I, I Even I may have been the most rational, used all my deductive reasoning and figured out that, okay, this part with this person, this conversation is only going to go one way. I could still be wrong. And then whatever happens, I've got to realize I got to get out what I need to get out. And then however they accept it, that's up to them. It's nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think on the other side of it, being the person who's saying, don't bring up old stuff. I think there's a there's a growth that has to happen, especially if that person, if you're on the other side of this and you are genuinely over it, right? And you genuinely have already dealt with it, you processed it, it is behind you, and you're a good person who who isn't harboring any ill feelings, then we've also got to get to the point of being the person to say, you know what? This person needs me to listen right now. And even though it's going to bring the feelings back and I'm going to get frustrated and I'm going to want to argue it out and I'm just trying to avoid any of that, what you have to do, what I have to do in that moment is say, okay, this person is going to explain how they feel. They're going to explain their perspective. They're going to get this off of their chest and I'm not going to agree with most of it most likely, because I saw this a different way. But I need to listen and I need to just let those words be in the universe and let them get them out and not retort. Like, that's that's what I've found that I have to work on the most is, um, you know, sometimes people just need to feel those things and need to, or really, they need to get them out. And what often happens is whenever we're trying to get out these these hurt feelings that we have, we don't actually get them out. We just transfer them mm-hmm. to the other person. And now that person is walking around feeling horrible, but we feel great, right? And now that it's energy, right? Everything yeah. is energy. But 
that that transfer, that communication of energy, it's a two-way street. If I'm on the receiving side of that, I don't have to receive that energy in a negative way. If, if I can train myself to simply hear and kind of absorb all of these negative feelings that are coming out from this person so that they're no longer burdening them, but I've already really processed all of it myself and I don't internalize the negativity, then I'm allowing them to get that energy out, but it's not transferring to me. And then we can both walk away unburdened. And, and that's a, that is a skill that has to be practiced a lot to, to work. But I've, I've done it before and I've seen it work before. And it's one of the most compassionate things that I've had happen for me. And I found that when I'm able to do it, people really appreciate it from me as well. I honestly want to be able to do that with the grace that I ask others to do it for me. Like, I'm sure that there, I, I don't say why you're bringing up old stuff. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I haven't said that, but I'm also equally sure that the look on my face when somebody gets that uh, time or the courage up to tell me what's on their heart is enough to stop people in their tracks and never bring it up to me again. And I feel badly about those moments. I feel badly about a lot of moments, but those moments uh, stand out. Um, we had a listener uh, hit us up uh, regarding communication questions. Uh, and it, it, it's as a, as a guy, it is interesting to hear these questions brought up because I've seen them be done or I've done them. Um, but it, it's just the, the bottom line of it is lack of communication, lack of full communication about what we want when we're talking to our significant other or when we are exploring a relationship with somebody, the way that we approach it. Uh, we leave a lot of open-ended statements. They're not even questions. Uh, and then we get kind of put out when our open-ended statement is taken open-ended and given an open-ended answer that we weren't looking for. Uh, so this person uh, said that they were approached by someone that they had known a while back, and they exchanged telephone numbers, and the person who had gotten their telephone number uh, then texted them with a WYD. That was the very first thing that they texted, if I remember correctly. Um, and then uh, the conversation proceeded, and the uh, person then asked them, uh, what are you doing tonight? And that was their way of asking this person out on a date. Uh and so the person was like, I'm chilling. And then the uh, guy was upset that it went that way because they didn't know that they were asking him out on a date, which is extremely vague in itself. Um, the guy then proceeded to 
uh, saying, I'm not judging at any point, but just red flags. The guy was like, I don't have a car. Can you pick me up? And guys, I just want to say this, but you should probably all know this already. Um, on a first date, nobody wants to be your way out just in case it goes badly. You know, you don't want to be stuck in a car with somebody you just had a bad date with because they don't have a ride home, uh, especially in this day and age of Uber. I'll meet you there. Um, but when you've already gotten upset about the lack of communication or the, the way that your open ended statement was taken and then you're like, I need you to pick me up because I don't have a car. That's probably sending up a couple more red flags than you want. But fellas, what communication gaps can you say that you have openly seen in our last couple of minutes? Uh, what is the biggest communication gap that you each can say that you've seen in your relationship that you were working on breaking down or that somebody brought to your attention? Gerald? Uh, the biggest one for me is believing that logic is the only way to argue and if i can speak my mind and make a logical argument within a minute or two then you need to be able to respond to me immediately and you need to be able to do it with logic and if you can't do that then everything that you're saying is invalid that that by far has been my biggest communication gap in my relationships and one of the things that i've had to learn and humble myself on to just shut up and let the words uh, process before they're brought out to me and then understand that if it's not based on logic but instead based on emotion and feeling, that's still a good and valid uh, way to argue and a point of view. And it's as real to that person as anything else in this world. And my dismissing it is one of the most cruel things in the world that I can do. That that's the biggest thing for me. Corbin. For me, it's my facial expressions. I think you hit hit it right on the head. Um, my face tells everything. Um, so if we are in those type of conversations, like Gerald mentioned, and I feel like I can't. Uh, I'm a logical person. If you can't see my way, then when you start talking, I'm going to listen, but my face is going to give away everything, my exact feelings. Um, and so I feel like I catch myself doing that uh, with anything. If you ask me where would I like to go to eat, or if I ask you where would you like to go to eat, or uh, what do you want to do this weekend, and you say something, my face will be like, They'll tell you, I don't want to do that, or that's a great idea. I looked excited about it, or I looked like it's the worst thing you've ever said to me. And I feel like as far as communicating goes, for me, it's the nonverbals that I have to control. I think that my biggest communication issue is the need of quantity over quality sometimes. And it goes both ways. Sometimes I may over talk to try and explain a point. And sometimes I may brush somebody off of a conversation because I try to keep things concise. It's like land the plane, um, which is robbing the other person of the opportunity to 
truly express what they're saying and, and think through what they're saying and really lay out their feelings uh, in order to accommodate me. And like I said, it is incredibly selfish. Um, these are all things that I'm really learning about as I'm talking about them, like really putting them out in the, in the air. Because when you, when you think these things, you can internalize them and flip it enough. It's like money laundering. You can wash dirty money clean if you send it through enough uh, places and enough cycles. And in my mind, I will take something I know is wrong and I will flip it enough times that it comes out like, you know what, I'm right. But when I put it out there to y'all, I know just saying it out loud, golly, that was awful. That was horrible. And then I have to take stock of that and go back and try and be better about it. Um, and I think for all of us, and I, I don't mean for this to close out this way. It just worked. I think for all of us, that is one of the best ways that we can each become unburdened. If you have anything that you want to discuss on the show, uh, our voicemail number is 916-572-9016. Uh, you can email us at blackinunburdened at gmail.com. Um, Gerald is available on Twitter at Buy Black Podcast. Uh, Corbin is available on Twitter at. Gosh, what are you? State forget. of Corbin. State of Corbin. <laughs> See, Corbin has changed his Corb his uh Twitter like three or four times. I still four times in eight years. You can call me whatever you want. Four times in eight years, but I, I do that with rooms. I change things. And now that my blog is starting to take off, I, I got to stick with it. And it's going to kill me in about a year. Hmm. That sounds like something we got to bring up later on. Oh, yeah, we can. We can. <laughs> but, hey, as always, y'all, I'm thankful for your time. I'm thankful for your honesty. I'm thankful for the listeners um hit us up we'll see y'all next week uh y'all have a wonderful day peace you can follow the show at unburdened pod on Twitter. Voicemail is 916-572-9016. Email is blackinunburdened at gmail.com.